Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. You can hear us live on 90.1 FM or go beyond the FM dial to RadioNorthland.org where you can listen to us live or if you happen to miss out because uh, you have uh, commitments Sunday at noon, you got things to do. I understand. You can listen to the archives at RadioNorthland.org. O-R-G. You can take us uh, wherever you can get decent enough uh, phone reception up here and all over the world via TuneIn. And that's uh, a couple of different options for which you can listen to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now. I'm Glenn Broggett. Well, it's welcoming you back into as the summer summer season starts to take us uh, under its spell. Uh, it's so great to have uh, you here listening to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now, along with my co-host, uh, who deep in the heart of Texas is probably experiencing uh, temps a little bit on the warmer side than what we're experiencing up here. But we are loving our 80-degree weather. I mean, I'm seeing people literally dancing out here on this parking lot. I don't know what's going on. There's a hippie be in, love in. I'm not in, in plugged into this, Mike McCurdy. Uh, welcome to the Grizzled Vet. Thanks for uh, being here uh, on this uh, warm, lovely day. Oh, yeah, man. I'm always looking forward to each week we host the show. But yeah, man, we're, we're in the 90s. We're heading into that lovely summer weather. You know, had some tornadoes nearby yesterday, so that was, that was a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, I'm back from last week's uh, remote from the Hall of Fame, which I got to say was a blast, and I look forward to doing a show like that again. But you know, back in the mobile studio, man, and, and back to record some more wrestling memories. Oh, yeah, and it's good to have you here. I mean, yeah, those temps are definitely going to pick up. We're going to definitely hear uh, the, the, the uh, warmer version. No, not the warm and fuzzy uh, side of the grizzled vet, but the literally warmed in the car, in the mobile studio, wherever you are traveling. you got so many uh, uh, yeah, places to go, people to see, and it's so nice that you're actually here uh, this week and, and able to uh, work with us. I mean, that Rass- Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame stuff you did at, from Wichita Falls was very entertaining, and I know that you have lots of great uh, potential guests uh, coming coming up uh, here in the next couple of weeks and months as wrestling memories then and now moves into the summer. Oh, definitely, man. You know, just, just, to, we'll, we'll drop a couple of, we'll do, we'll drop a couple hints. I can say a last name like Guerrero. I got Mondo Guerrero. He's confirmed. He'll be on the show. Beautiful. Hands of stone, rugged Ronnie Garvin, you know, the hammer, the real hammer, Beverly shade, one of the toughest lady wrestlers of our of the time. You know, we got a lineup. We got a hall of fame lineup coming up into the summer months. I'm looking forward to, uh, reestablishing contact and getting these guests on for this week but i'm looking forward to this week's guest as well man this one is going to be fun yeah you've definitely uh, booked a main event and when i uh, got the message that you you had booked uh, our guest today i, I really my antenna i went up uh, because I, I i've been interested i've been following this gentleman for many years on facebook and, and following uh, his hustle and how he's uh, created his own identity in the pro wrestling business uh, how he initially got his first uh, really big big uh, taste of uh a, a popularity through a real through the WWE reality show tough enough he's managed to parlay that and, and move on and really kind of take his career in some, into some interesting spots uh, through the last few years since he left tough enough uh, I mean this guy's uh, worked with some of the greats in pro wrestling and uh, his story is definitely a good one so I'm gonna let you since you uh you booked this man you found him from his very busy schedule I'm gonna let you uh, handle the rest of the intro ask a few questions and get the ball rolling on it because this you definitely have booked uh, an a1 main event guest here, Mr. Grizzled Vet. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to having this guest on. Like you said, man, he's a veteran of Tough Enough. Some people are going to remember him from there. Some people are going to remember some of the guys that are on that show with him as well. But he has parlayed Tough Enough into, you know, more roles. Actor, host, spokesperson, frequent guest at the CAC, hosts a lot of the lectures and things out there. You could say this man's got a jack of all trades. He's got a lot of roles in the wrestling industry. He's even got a little something to do with a video game people might know of, WWE 2K series. 
you know, the video game for the PS4 and all that. He's got a little something to do with that. So, you know, we got a lot to talk about with this guest, including an interesting group that I'm playing, a little group called Hood Slam out in the state of California. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, I'd like to welcome our guest this week to Wrestling Memories. And now, none other than Mr. A.J. Kirsch. A.J., welcome to Wrestling oh. Memories. I appreciate uh, being here. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope I can. The interview lives up to that amazing introduction. Thank you both for that for that awesome intro. Well, you know, we like to give our guests we like to give our guests a good build up, especially when they've got a career such as yours. Because, you know, like we said, you're a veteran of tough enough. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that, and you parlayed it into a lot of stuff. You just recently had a cover story in East Bay Express, local newspaper in your area. Um, I am yep. getting a copy of that. Thanks to a friend of mine. But uh, you know, you parlayed. What began as well, basically a reality show competition to get a career with WWE, and parlayed this into a huge career. But first, let's start off. Let's kind of start from a little bit from the beginning. You know, what got you involved with wrestling? What What were you watching back in the day when you were a child? And you watched it. You went, "This is what I want to do. I want to get involved in this." Yeah, you know, I'd always been uh, aware of pro wrestling uh, growing up as a child of the '80s. Hard not to be aware of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, and you know, just the the classic characters of the golden era. But I really didn't become a hardcore uh, fan until the mid-90s. I was just flipping through channels one evening in uh, March of 96 and came across an episode of Monday Night Raw. And for whatever reason, to this day, I still have trouble uh, putting it into words, but I was completely enthralled and captivated and immediately got hooked into the characters and the storylines and... Uh, just kept watching week after week after week. And I started watching right as Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were headed toward their Iron Man match at WrestleMania 12. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was an extremely exciting time to first become a hardcore fan of pro wrestling because that was just a month or two before Scott Hall and Kevin Nash jumped ship to WCW. That was just three months before Austin 316 was born. Uh, four months before the birth of the NWO, and then we're often running into the Monday Night Wars, and, oh, what's that over there? ECW is starting to make some noise. So it was an extremely exciting time to become a fan, and as I started growing, uh, you know, just becoming a teenager, just growing up a little bit, wrestling was becoming more edgy, more reality-based, and so it was kind of growing with me, which is why I like to describe pro wrestling as a phase that I never grew out of. What was it that you saw when you decided, you know, you tried to want to get involved in Because, you know, you were training. You uh, obviously got into training to become a wrestler. You know, you went through tough enough and everything. But what was the point where you decided, you know, not only were you a fan, you were watching this on TV, but you actually wanted to step between the ropes. You wanted to give this a try. You wanted to see if you could make your mark as a professional wrestler. It probably was maybe just a year or two after first becoming a fan. Um you know, I was just completely consumed by the the art form and the business and just captivated by pro wrestling as a whole. And the more I watched, the more fascinated I became and the more I wanted to just experience what it felt like on the other side. And that was something that, you know, I've been... As soon as I got that idea in my head, I started researching. And, of course, I kept hearing every interview I've ever seen with a pro wrestler said go to college first, get your education because the odds of making it in professional wrestling, you know, the odds are slim to none as slim, if not even more so than making it on any professional sports team. So, uh, and then an interview with uh, Mick Foley, uh, Shawn Michaels was my favorite wrestler of all time, still is. And Mick Foley is a close second. 
And I remember an interview with Mick Foley saying, if you're too young to join a pro wrestling school and you generally needed to be 18 or older, then join your high school wrestling team because the fundamentals you learn as far as conditioning and just a lot of the things you learn in amateur wrestling translate really well to professional wrestling. So I joined my high school wrestling team, uh, dropped a ton of weight, and the discipline that I picked up on my high school wrestling team is, you know, I still have it to this day. That's I attribute um, the discipline I picked up on my high school wrestling team to why I start every day in the gym, literally seven days a week. It's why I watch what I eat. And so if anybody's listening to this and you have the chance to join your high school wrestling team because you want to pursue pro wrestling, I cannot suggest it enough. You're, you're based in California. I mean, you know, is that, that's where you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in uh, Mill Valley, which is just north of the San Francisco Bay Area. And I'm currently in Berkeley, which is right next door to Oakland, California. Now, there's obviously a large um, indie wrestling scene in California. When you eventually decided to start training, who did you hook up with at the time, and who did you begin training with? Well, I was going to school at Chico State, which is about an uh, hour and a half north of Sacramento, so kind of northern central California. And I was wandering around downtown one night and saw a big dude in a luchador mask handing out flyers. And I was, the luchador mask was enough for me to be like, oh, I wonder what, what's going on over here. And it was a flyer for a local wrestling school. Um, and so I, I signed up with Pro Championship Wrestling, which at the time was based out of Yuba City, California. And so three days a week, I would, you know, drive the two-hour round trip to, uh, to train, to learn the ropes of professional wrestling. And at the same time, I was working toward getting my communications degree from Chico State. So you know, taking the advice from that interview with Mick Foley to heart and pursuing my college education, but at the same time pursuing what I really wanted to do, which was a career in professional wrestling. So who was your trainer? My trainer was, uh, worked under the name Mr. Primetime. Uh, his name is Zach Reeb. And, you know, long after I graduated the uh, Pro Championship Wrestling Work Farm, he continued to train guys um, for years and years. And I believe he's still training folks to this day so if you're in the uh central california area and you're looking for a place to train then i highly suggest you look up the pcw work farm in uh i believe they're now in oroville california now when you first began you know your training on um i've worked with a lot of new students coming into the business all that and one of the first things they notice is the kind of the wear and the tear and the pain that it you know kind of inflicts on your body because your body naturally doesn't want to you know drop itself down to the ground intentionally um, nope. when you first started training, you know, what was it like to go through that and to realize, you know, the bumps and the bruises that came along with it? Terrible. <laughs> I, I remember <laughs> the very first bump I ever took. I just, uh, the air was forced out of my lungs and my head was ringing and I'm just like, Oh, this is, this is terrible. I don't know. I mean, I'd already made up my mind that I was committed to it. And so I was going to stick it out until I knew, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt if I wanted to pursue it or not. So it's not like I was going to take one bump or just go the first day or first week or even the first month and just quit. But I do remember thinking like, oh, this is the worst feeling I've ever had in my life. And, you know, when I was training, I don't know how it is now with, with new students coming through the ranks, but like they put you through a ton of conditioning to one, see where you're at physically and to two, weed out the people who were just like, okay, my character is going to be this and I want this for my pyro and when am I going to be champion and people who want to play wrestler 
and not actually work their way to become a professional wrestler. So they had us do God knows how many squats. Uh, I, I had stairs at the place I was living at at the time. And so going up and down, I had to use both hands on the rail just to get myself up and down the stairs the next day. And it sucked and it hurt, but I had made up my mind that I was going to stick this out. And I, I mean, I didn't even know what that meant at the time. I just knew that I was going to give it an honest to God shot. And I am eternally grateful for sticking with it because it has led me to uh, moments in my career when I've literally had to remind myself out loud that I wasn't dreaming. Now, when was your, when was your debut match um, after you had your training? Debut match was October 26, 2005 in Chico, California. Uh, Silver Dollar Fairgrounds at a show that was booked and promoted, of all people, by uh, Brian Cage, who is the current Impact Wrestling World uh, Heavyweight Champion. Who was your opponent in that match? My trainer, Mr. Primetime. And if I remember correctly, I think we were the first match of the night as well. It was booked as a uh, quote-unquote interpromotional match because Brian Cage's uh, promotion was called the Main Event Wrestling Federation, and uh, Zach and I, of course, were representing Pro Championship Wrestling. Now, you've gone through the training. Uh, you work, this is your first match against your training. Line. You walk through the curtain for the first time. You see the crowd out there. You step into that ring. This is your first time you're going to perform you know, what's going through your mind at that time? And, you know, what are some of the highlights and did you remember most about that first match? Um, I couldn't tell you what was going through my mind because honestly, I don't remember. I, I can tell you exactly how I was feeling before I walked through the curtain. And as I walked back, I, I can tell you what that felt like. But as far as what I remember during the match, um, somebody uh, actually had a sign that said, I'm here to see AJ Kirsch, which made me feel like, you know, a superstar. Somebody had a sign for me in my first match. I had friends from middle school and high school that promised me that they were going to be at my first match. They were there. My parents were there. Um, so that, you know, I, I, I don't remember anything about the match itself except that it went well. I mean, I've got footage of it, so it's like I can go back and watch it. Um, but I, I can only tell you what I remember, you know, what feeling just, nervous beyond description as my music hit and then just such a sense of pride and relief to be honest um after the match but i do remember seeing my friends and family in the audience and um aaron miroff if you're listening thank you so much for bringing that sign because that made my night now how long were you wrestling on the indie scene before you your for your initial audition to be on tough enough Tough Enough was 2011, which means I'd been wrestling for about six years, five and a half years at that point. Um, Tough Enough uh, was shot in February of 2011, and I made my debut October 2005. So a little over, excuse me, a little over five years. So you've had, you know, five years experience. Who are some of the guys you had had a chance to wrestle during, you know, that five-year span? You know, any of the, any names that people might recognize? Uh, well, as I said, Brian Cage and I crossed paths uh, in the ring. Um, let's see, Adam Thornstow, uh, one half of the Reno Scum tag team, who were kind of in and out of Impact Wrestling. Uh, he and I had a match at PCW that I'm I'm very proud of. Prior to Tough Enough, let's see, I, I wrestled Gangrel at a Hood Slam, but that was after Tough Enough. Uh, Drake Younger and I, uh, who is currently an NXT official, 
um, and a regular at CZW back when he was active. He and I had a, a street fight that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I think, I think that about covers some of the names that I've, I've wrestled during my stint as an active indie talent. So, you know, this is kind of fun for me because I'm originally from California. You know, I moved out to Texas three years ago. You know, you're mentioning, okay. you know, Adam Thornstow and all that. I've known Adam since, like, early 2000s. Definitely a talent that I don't think people have utilized as well as they should. His partnership, obviously, with Luster and Reno Scum, they're probably one of the, the better tag teams in the NDC and all that. But, you know, get a chance to work with him. I mean, that guy's really good in the ring. Oh, yeah. Adam Thornstow is, is great. His partner, Luster the Legend, they're both great. I think they are uh, – I agree that they're underutilized. I think they have a chemistry and a look and a style that could, you know, lead them to become one of the most popular tag teams in all of wrestling. Um, it's cool to see them uh, – that they, you know, got some more exposure on Impact Wrestling. Um, I don't know – I don't know – I don't, they're, they're one of the teams that I don't know why they're not signed to a contract. There's like, there's a couple guys here on the West Coast, and it just boggles my mind that they're not on TV every week, um, that they're not signed to a contract with some major promotion, and, and the scum are on that list. It's kind of the same way right here in Texas. There's a lot of guys that are definitely on the radar that, you know, they need to step up. They'll, they'll, they'll be on the big stage eventually. But talking the big stage, you know, you've been wrestling now. You said it was about five years. You know, you hear about this show called Tough Enough, decided to go for the audition. Tell us a little bit about that and just kind of how you got word of the audition and just kind of the process going on and actually getting to be on the show and competing for a WWE contract. Yeah, well, I had heard about it on social media. You know, word travels fast in pro wrestling, especially with social media nowadays. It, it spreads like wildfire. So when I saw that it was coming back, you know, I've gone back and forth. I'm like, man, should I even send in a video? Like, what are the odds um, that anybody's going to see it or like it? Or, you know, just flip-flopped on it for a little while. And eventually came to the realization, like, somebody's got to be on that show. I think it should be me. Why not? Like, why not give it a shot, see what happens? And, you know, if I could pass along another bit of advice to any aspiring pro wrestlers out there, get yourself acquainted with some kind of video, video editing software. Um, because if you send something into a promoter or to a larger company, you know, you want it to look good. You want it to look professional. You don't just want to film a selfie on, on your phone and, and send that in and expect to make an impression. So I was somewhat familiar with, um, iMovie, which is about as simple as in video editing software as, as it gets. And I was like, I could put together a pretty decent looking application video. I think people would dig it. So I did. Uh, sent it in, and after a series of extensive phone interviews, was eventually flown down to L.A. to be interviewed in person by the producers and the decision makers uh, on the show. And uh, from what I understand, they flew down uh, 28 people to L.A. They flew 14 of them back, and the 14 people that they asked to stay went right into shooting for about, I was there, six weeks or so. So it was a very, you know, flying by the seat of your pants uh, experience. But I am, there's no doubt in my mind that I would be where I am today if it wasn't for Tough Enough. So an experience for which I'll always be grateful. Now, what was it like working, you know, you've already gone through training, you've been working for a while. And obviously the content the Tough Enough is you work with, you know, the different trainers and all that. And they put, they have you do all the stuff. So you're actually training on Tough Enough as well. 
what was it like to kind of be there knowing that this is now, you know, going to be seen by, you know, a nationwide audience through, I believe it was still on USA Network at the time. Yeah. Uh, Nerve wracking, uh, to say the least. Just, you know, anytime we were about to do a drill or or, uh, a challenge or one of those ridiculous field trips, it was like millions of people are going to see this. So no pressure or anything. And at that point, you know, I, I did my best not to let that idea sneak into my brain because all it does is put unnecessary pressure on you and, you know, you don't want to psych yourself out when you're trying to do your best. So really it was just kind of like, let's, let's have some fun with this. Let's do the best we can. Of course, millions of people are going to see it, but, um, you know, this is, this is yours to experience. So experience it the best you can. Now, another, um, another contestant on tough enough year season, I believe was also Martin Casau who Correct. people might know a little bit better with Marty the Moth through uh, Lucha Underground. I've had a chance to work a couple shows with him and all that. He's another guy that, you know, kind of like you, got the exposure on Tough Enough and then kind of parlayed it into, you know, an, a pretty decent indie career as well as, you know, Lucha Underground. Yeah, absolutely. And Martin was, um, you know, a pleasure to work with in the ring. Um, he was one of the few positive, I think, um, influences in the house and just, you know, just a lot of fun to be around. And yeah, my hat's off to Martin for turning that, um, you know, that bit of exposure on tough enough into a hell of an indie career. And even though, you know, I think the story has been written as far as Lucha Underground's concerned, he's making a hell of a name for himself on the indies. And, you know, I got nothing but positive things to say about Martin. All right. Well, I'm going to pass the mic over to Glenn. Now I'm sure he's got a few questions for you as well. All right, uh, all right. Here you, here we go. Thank you, uh, Mike and uh, AJ. I, I want to talk about you. We mentioned uh, about your your training in ring, getting yourself ready, and and, and working uh, pro wrestling events uh, throughout the Indies. One of the things that has, has fascinated me uh, by following your career is how you have excelled at uh, not only in the ring, uh, you know, working wrestling, but how you've developed such a a, a presence on the microphone. And uh, you have went to school for some communications, but uh, how long did it take for you to really find uh, yourself as far as, uh, you know, cutting these promos and where did you draw influence from, uh, you know, as far as uh, the people you would watch and be captivated by and almost inspired to a certain degree as you're developing yourself uh, with, with your on mic uh, uh, presence? Well, it really wasn't until I started performing regularly at Hood Slam that I really felt very much at home on the microphone. Um, the promo that I cut on Bill DeMott in the eighth episode of the 2011 season of Tough Enough, you know, surprised me, I think, as much as it did some of the trainers. And it kind of got me thinking, if I don't win Tough Enough and if I don't get signed by WWE, I need to have other ways to contribute to sports entertainment. And so that promo got me thinking, like, maybe there's something to explore as far as a mouthpiece position. So... Um, when I started working at hood slam, um, they invited me first to do commentary. And then one night the, uh, ring announcer couldn't make it. So I started doing the ring announcing. And at some point, um, it was, I also took over kind of the host and MC duties. So it wasn't long until I found myself hosting ring announcing and providing the commentary at hood slam. And, you know, maybe, uh, another three or four promotions started adopting a similar style with at least the hosting, the ring announcing, or the live commentary. 
And that's just, you know, when you're talking in front of a live crowd for three hours, you just get very much at home on the microphone. And uh, as far as people who I watch, you know, I've always been captivated by Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Roddy Piper, Jake the Snake Roberts, Dusty Rhodes. And I think the common thread between all of those performers is that it doesn't sound like they're cutting a promo. Like, each character has a distinct way of talking. Each character has a distinct cadence and volume and, of course, catchphrases. They sound like an actual, real-life individual who is super fired up, and I believed every word they said. There's a certain, I don't know, there's a certain cookie-cutter promo language and cadence and just tone that exists in professional wrestling today that as soon as I hear it, it just sounds like every other pro wrestling promo I've ever, ever heard ever. And it just drives me nuts. And it takes me out of the promo. Paul Heyman's another one who, you know, Paul Heyman probably doesn't talk like the way he does when he cuts a promo in real life. But I believe he does because he does it with such natural conviction that I just believe every word he says. It doesn't sound like, you know, like go out there and cut a promo. It's like, ah, where's the, where's the fun in that? Mm-hmm. You know, after you were you finished up with, with, with Tough Enough, you know, and in the last few years, it really seems like there, you know a lot of guys have been able, uh, what through their own hustle, through well, whether it be through social media, just getting the word out about themselves, the constant constant promotion to prove that you know a lot, a lot of these guys have proven that in recent years that there is life outside of the bubble of the World Wrestling Entertainment uh, Empire, where people can go out and, and get things together like Hood Slam or you know uh, or some of the many other indies that are uh, out there thriving. And, and making themselves known here uh, in the last 10 or so years and now even up to a recent as we're talking today uh, you know the AEW has been on uh, the minds of a lot of people as well so it, it's really interesting that I mean guys like yourself you know really uh, have helped to pave the way and show people that with the right amount of hustle and, and, and the right amount of just thought and, and put, put a good idea put together that you can survive and thrive it, it takes a little extra but getting outside of that bubble doesn't mean your life your career is completely in the dumper and that you would ha- you know basically have to exist just in the memory of being on Tough Enough I couldn't agree more and Tough Enough if nothing else made me extremely hungry to not just pursue professional wrestling, but pursuing other forms of entertainment. Because if, you know, say if, if I were to get signed to WWE um, and they needed somebody to go on a talk show or a radio show or guest star on a television show or a movie, um, you need to be able to perform. And so when I came to that realization shortly after Tough Enough, I'm like, I'm going to see if I can get as many different gigs as I can, not just in professional wrestling, but in as many different avenues of entertainment as possible. And that hustle has turned into, you know, a pretty exciting career for me. I mean, I've done movies and television shows and other reality shows and hosting live events and commercials. And as you mentioned during the introduction, uh, I ended up voicing the main character for the uh, My Career Mode in WWE 2K19, which came out last year. Um, And so it's kind of funny that my pursuit of projects outside of professional wrestling kind of keep leading me back and pointing me back to professional wrestling. So that kind of full circle stuff, I just get a kick out of that stuff in particular. But, you know, anytime I, I book a commercial or a television show or a movie, you know, it's a chance to 
not only, you know, enjoy a payday and enjoy a gig and get to work, but it's a chance to become a more well-rounded entertainer. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if the future has me signing with WWE or AEW or any major company for that matter, but all the experience that I've accumulated through these other projects and these other avenues of entertainment, I love bringing it back to professional wrestling. You're listening to Wrestling Memories Then and Now. I'm Glenn Broggett, along with the grizzled vet Mike McCurdy and our special guest today, AJ Kirsch. And we're going to bring the conversation back to Hood Slam. And I'm going to bring Mike McCurdy back into the conversation because I know he definitely has a few questions lined up for you, AJ, about this uh, phenomenon known as Hood Slam. Uh, grizzled vet, can you, uh, are you ready, my friend? Well, of course, man. And yes, I definitely want to talk a little bit about Hood Slam because, as I said, being from California, I have followed Hood Slam for a while. And before that, in the San Francisco Bay Area, there was another group back in the 90s. It was Incredibly Strange Wrestling, which right. Hood Slam could kind of be kind of the offspring of Incredibly Strange Wrestling. Kind of, you know, I watched them both. They're kind of the, you know, along the same idea. But for our listeners, AJ, could you explain a little bit about, like, kind of what Hood Slam is and just what Hood Slam sure. is? It's something you kind of got to see to believe. Yeah, uh, well put. Hood Slam is a 21 and over pro wrestling party. Um, We, you know, Hood Slam was born kind of out of a general dissatisfaction of professional wrestlers in the Northern California area. Um, Just not getting to feel like they were being creative enough, feeling like they had too many restrictions on what they could and couldn't do, and really just wanted a place to pop themselves and each other, pop the boys, the boys popping the boys. And it started out as just a party at the Victory Warehouse in in Oakland, California, in front of, you know, double-digit people, tops. And it's, uh, you know, we've been doing it for almost 10 years now. I've been lucky enough to be a part of it for eight of those 10 years. And now, you know, on on our biggest shows, we have, you know, Eight nine hundred people at the Oakland Metro Opera House. It's 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 pretty crazy, and what started out as uh, a show every first Friday is now weekly. Um, Hood Slam and its regular cast of characters are every first and third Friday. Second Friday is a show we call Guilty Lethal Action Mayhem or Glam for short. That's Hood Slam's all women show, and then final Friday we have a show called Sexy Good Time Wrestle Show, which is like Hood Slam's theme show. So for example, this month. Um, everybody, the Hood Slam cast are going to dress up as video game characters and it's going to be video game characters in professional wrestling matches. Um, but it's 21 and over. One of our slogans is don't bring your effing kids. This is not your little brothers or little sisters, professional wrestling. Um, this is intended for an adult audience and wrestling has been the victim of having to, present the illusion that it's an an actual fight like that's kind of the unspoken agreement is like we're going to present this as it's real wink wink well at hood slam we make it as ridiculous as we possibly can and it makes the suspension of disbelief easier actually because it is so ridiculous and we're just saying we're going to go on this out of left field ride everybody's going to go on it together and you cannot help but have a good time And between the bar, the live band, the live commentary, which I do, so I get to interact with the crowd the entire night, Um, more than anything else, as I said at the top of this long rant, it is a pro wrestling party. 
Now, Glenn, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one because I discovered Hood Slambo probably five, six years ago, and I got a chance to go. Mm-hmm. And before that, like I said, back in the 90s, I got a chance to go watch Incredibly Strange Wrestling. Um, AJ, are you familiar with Incredibly Strange Wrestling? I am. I've never been to a show, but I think, I think it's safe to say that Incredibly Strange Wrestling and Hood Slam are cut from the same cloth. There you go, because Incredibly Strange Wrestling, you had guys like um, uh, the Altar Boy who would wrestle, you know, a, a priest. Um, and Hood Slam kind of followed along the same, the, the same idea. In fact, you've got a friend of mine that's been on a few shows recently. Um, he goes by many names, though. He's the devil himself. He's the human horror show. And that's Derek Drexel. And to sure. see Derek Drexel live in the ring is an experience. I've known him for years. I booked him on a show in California, and this man agreed, and he's done this many times before. We'll just say the finish of the match involved a kiddie pool full of barbed wire. And this is yep. this is kind of normal for what Derek does in the ring, and this is kind of an idea of kind of what to expect when you see Hood Slam when you have a man known as, like, the human horror show as part of your card. Right, and he's definitely he represents definitely the, the more darker kind of hardcore side which Hood Slam doesn't have a lot of hardcore stuff. We, we rarely, I don't think we've ever busted out barbed wire. You know, we've done thumbtacks on maybe one or two occasions. So there's not a whole lot of hardcore stuff, but Drexel definitely represents that kind of striking character that you can expect to see at Hood Slam. And, you know, most of the Hood Slam audience is not your typical wrestling audience, which actually makes it really easy to pop them because, you know, a hip toss at a wrestling crowd no big deal. A hip toss in front of a crowd who is not your jaded independent wrestling crowd, they pop for a hip toss. So you can imagine if they see a 450 or a senton bomb that they lose their minds. And especially when you have characters like, so everybody's familiar with the Steiner brothers. Um, so at Hood Slam, we've got Rick Scott and Scott Rick, the Stoner brothers. And they come to the ring with uh, some medicine between their lips, and the medicine never leaves their lips as they wrestle the entire matchup. So we like to give little winks and nods to the wrestling fans who remember the Steiner brothers and be like, oh, they're the Stoner brothers, I get it. But for everybody else, it's just like you've got these two giant identical twins coming to the ring and just basically being the baddest tag team of all time. And then you've got uh, the rabbit with a habit, Drugs Bunny, who comes to the ring with a bag of white powdery substance. Um, you've got the Mexican werewolf, El Chupacabra. Um, you just have an array, an armada of colorful characters that are impossible to forget. See, now, you know, Chupacabra, there's, there's another buddy of mine from back in the day. But one yeah. thing I want listeners to understand, and I'm sure you'll agree with as well, these guys aren't just in there just to perform and just, you know, do these crazy skits or whatever for this wrestling party. These guys are legit trained professional wrestlers. Chupacabra works for a lot of local areas in there. Drexel is all over Canada, Oregon. He was trained by, you know, Buddy Rose and the grappler. So these guys are legit wrestlers for people watching this. Don't think it's just guys making a mockery of professional wrestling. No, no, no. I mean, everybody on, the roster, they work elsewhere. They're not just, you know, they're not just some clowns who don't know what they're doing. They're not unsafe. They're not untrained. These are trained professional wrestlers who have been wrestling for years, decades even. So everybody's trained. Everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody's safe. But because of the 
you know, non-traditional environment and presentation that Hood Slam uses, a lot of people just, you know, Jim Cornette in particular, is quick to write them off as untrained or, you know, spot monkeys or dangerous when really nothing could be further from the truth. So it's like, if you want to come and experience some off-the-wall characters, you get that. But those off-the-wall characters can also deliver in the ring. Now, speaking of characters uh, with Hood Slam, you know, you yourself, you know, you you don't just see AJ Kirsch go out to the ring and hose there. You've got a character, you know, that you portray of your own through Hood Slam. So I'd like to talk a little bit about kind of the evolution, the origin of Broseph Joe Brody. Yes, let's. Well, so I started doing commentary at Hood Slam in early 2012, just as AJ Kirsch. And I quickly realized that if I was going to stick around, um, I needed a character that could stand next to the Stoner Brothers or Drugs Bunny or the Mexican Werewolf or Dark Sheik. Um, and I, I kind of took an inventory of the Hood Slam roster at the time and wanted something that was different from everything else that was there. But also, I was so sick of being a babyface because after Tough Enough, you know, everybody wanted to see AJ Kirsch, who was on Tough Enough. And as a performer, like, it was nice to get that little rub of, of popularity from the show, but also it was creatively stifling because, you know, part of the fun of professional wrestling is being able to play a character and not just be yourself. I'm myself the other 23 hours and 45 minutes of the day. Like, let me be somebody else for 15 minutes. So I was sick of being a baby face. I wanted to be a heel. I took a look at the characters on the roster. I took a look at the crowd, and I was like, who would this crowd hate more than just about anybody else? I bet they would hate a bro. So between my years of bouncing at one of the douchiest neighborhoods in San Francisco, between my years as a student at Chico State, which is notorious for its party and frat culture, and taking shreds of my own personality in that I'm a gym rat, and people, you know, still don't believe me when I tell them, but I unironically, shamelessly, genuinely love Nickelback, like, a lot. They're up there with ACDC is my favorite band. So I'm like, put all that together, and Broseph Joe Brody was born. And no sooner, you know, than my did photograph by Nickelback hit, I come out the curtain i'm spraying axe body spray on myself everybody immediately knew you know what screw this guy we hate this guy and that's when i was just like i think we've got a winner now part of you know you, you know the character of bros joe brody you got a little connection to uh you know dwayne johnson who you know many of our listeners are gonna know as the rock uh you were the winner of i believe it was the first rock the promo uh challenge correct it was a um a competition uh, promo competition that launched his YouTube channel back in the late summer of 2016. Now, can you tell us a little bit about that and just, you know, how that worked and, you know, well, you got to work with, I'm assuming you got to work with him a little bit. You saw him at some point during this yeah. competition. Uh, yeah. Um, so the way that worked was, you know, obviously I follow the rock on social media and uh, I, I saw that he was launching his YouTube channel and he was launching his YouTube channel with the, rock the promo competition and as soon as i saw a promo i'm like you know what i think i could cut a promo that might get me a little an entry into this contest so i cut the promo as brosif um you know the powers that be saw it 
they invited me to compete in the comp in the competition. And what started out with uh, 32 became 16, went down to eight, four, and then the final two. And to make a, a long story short, I ended up winning the whole thing. And, you know, it was episodes dropped weekly and every episode was judged by a name in professional wrestling. So uh, I'm not going to remember everybody who was a part of it, but my rounds were judged by uh, Kurt Angle, Cody Rhodes, uh, Kurt Angle, Christian, Cody Rhodes, Mick Foley, and then uh, The Rock himself made the final decision after myself and my opponents um, delivered our final promos in front of him in person for him to make the final call. So um, for the finals, yes, uh, me and The Rock did, you know, we worked together. He was probably only on set for like an hour. And of course, he was being pulled in a million different directions. But in the brief interactions that I had with him, he was very gracious and humble and you know was knew his knew his stuff and i you know i mean he's he's the man he's the man there's no other way to put it the rock is the man now i mentioned in in our intro uh you know you are involved in a lot of things outside of professional wrestling um like i said you've done commercials you've done movies and things like that just what are some of the other you know aspects where people might recognize you from or things they can go and watch and all that and tell us a little bit about kind of your career outside of the ring or outside of wrestling. You can probably catch me on um, the seventh episode of the debut season of a show called Dating Naked on VH1, which is exactly what I it sounds that. like. It's a dating show and everybody's naked, but they blur out our bits and pieces, so it's okay. Uh, that was a I lot of that. fun. Then <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you probably saw way more of me than you ever wanted to. Um, <laughs> I uh, I enjoyed my first lead role in a dramatic uh, television show on a show called I Almost Got Away With It, which reenacts, um, you know, daring escapes by prisoners. And uh, that was on Investigation Discovery. And I think that's available on iTunes. Um, if you do feel compelled to check it out, I think the show is called Got to Watch Out for Those Country Girls or something like that. Um, I had my first speaking role in a movie that I'm not at liberty to name by title yet because there hasn't been any, any trailers or anything for it yet, but, um, it is a raunchy comedy directed by the writers of the first hangover. That's going to be coming out this, uh, late this summer or early this fall. Um, and like I said, it's all because I wanted to make myself a more well-rounded entertainer to bring that back to professional wrestling. So, I mean, really all the success that I've enjoyed with movies and voiceovers and, and everything else is really born from my passion for professional wrestling, which for me just makes it even more special. Now, you know, back, we'll, we'll go back to professional wrestling for a second. We'll probably talk a little bit more about hood slammer for a second, but um, sure. what do you have coming up? You know, you said they do weekly, they do a monthly theme show. What's coming up in the next couple of weeks for, uh, you know, hood slam. At the time of this recording, it's you know end of May, but we'll be airing this about mid June. So, what's coming up for uh, you know Hood Slam and for you in general? Right. Well, as I said, you can catch Hood Slam uh, every Friday um, at the Oakland Metro Opera House. Um, tickets for every show are available by searching Hood Slam on Eventbrite.com. If this is dropping mid June, then you probably have a chance to check your regularly scheduled uh, cast of characters at Hood Slam on third Friday. 
And then uh, fourth Friday is Sexy Good Time Wrestle Show, a show called Pride Slam, where we celebrate LGBTQ uh, professional wrestlers and professional wrestling. I am beyond excited for that show. It should be spectacular. It's actually on uh, Pride Weekend in um, San Francisco's Pride Weekend. So it's going to kick off an amazing weekend. Um, First Friday in July is one of Hood Slam's biggest shows of the year. So I would suggest you get tickets for that as well if you're in the area. And then as far as um, other projects go, you know, it's it's kind of a, a day-by-day and a week-by-week basis for me. You know, sometimes I have auditions coming up. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I have unique bookings uh, coming up. Sometimes I don't. I will be in Vegas on Thursday, August the 15th to host and ring announce uh, an all-female mixed martial arts league called Lingerie Fighting Championships where they the fighters fight in lingerie. It's a rough gig, but somebody's got to do it. Um, and so, you know, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm quote unquote doing it. I'm doing it right now. And, and if, if you have your heart set on signing with WWE, or I guess now you can also go to AEW to make a living in professional wrestling. Um, don't let the closing of that door or, you know, or just that opportunity not coming to fruition the way you want it to, don't let that discourage you because there are other things out there that you may not have even considered that can make you happy and make you money and fulfill you as an artist and as a performer. And, you know, back when I was on tough enough, I, if you had told me I was doing the things that I'm doing nowadays, I would have laughed in your face, but here we are and I'm doing it and it can be done completely independent of a major wrestling promotion. Well, I got to say, man, I think you're a great example of, you know, someone that has the uh, the, the commitment and then and the passion to push forward and, like you said, not let the doors close. But, Glenn, I know you got a, you got a trip to Vegas coming up soon. I mean, perhaps you might want to postpone that for the uh, August 15th <laughs> show, the lingerie fighting, because I know you're a connoisseur of, you know, mixed martial art competition. This sounds right up your alley. Well, you know, let me tell you something there, uh, Mr. Grizzled Vet and AJ. I have been following <laughs> lingerie kickboxing. I have been following anything that involves lingerie. I mean, I they've got the football going on, yeah, but now they fight. got the, uh, the you know, now this this street fist, this fighting, and man, you know, we've come a long ways. Back in my day, we you know, right on, right away, we could only get those matches when they would have them in, uh, on the wrestling, when they would be uh, even throwing in a pillow every once in a while, but I'm just glad that the evolution has come for uh, lingerie kickboxing, mixed martial arts. Right. It, 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 and, all the, and all the other fine lingerie sports. <sighs> Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, uh, funny you mention that. Some of the uh, lingerie football league players are fighters in the uh, lingerie fighting championships. So there's a lot of crossover happening. What a time to be alive. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, we're hitting the home stretch here. Uh, we don't want to keep you for too long. You have commitments. You're a man on the move. I just want to thank you so much, AJ Kirsch, for taking time out of your schedule. And maybe sometime down the line, we'll welcome you back uh, to Wrestling Memories then and now. Share a few more stories. You, I bet you'll have a few more things to share with us on your adventures in the world of pro wrestling and entertainment, my friend. Absolutely. Well, again, I appreciate uh, you guys having me and... You know, there are things in the works right now that I'm not at liberty to discuss, but the next time you have me on the show, I hope I can spill the beans and dive right into them, but there's some good stuff coming up. So uh, if you want to keep tracking me on social media, you can. It's all at AJ Kirsch. Um, Hood Slam is at Hood Slam on all things social media. And also, 
for your listeners who are not in the San Francisco Bay Area, if you want to check it out, Hood Slam streams every single show uh, live and free on Twitch. And every show starts at 9 o'clock uh, p.m. Pacific time. So if you want to check out a show and you're not in the area, it's hoodslam.tv. And like I said, we stream every show live. So, you know, check it out if curiosity is uh, getting the better of you. But it is a damn good time. Well, it's time to go here for A.J. Kirsch and the Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy. You have been listening to Wrestling Memories Then and Now.